it's kind of hard to set a city free if you're bound. And uh, I, I just really sense that God is saying, uh, get set free. And, and I have a word from God, like he spoke it to me during worship. And it was, your church is going to flourish. Get ready. But before it flourishes, take time to clean house. And you know, you, you hear about businesses and, and people in the business world will understand this, but there's people that have an idea, you know, they want to have a chain of, of, of restaurants. So they, they get a restaurant started up and, and uh, it's not doing that well and then they start another one. Then they start another one. Then they start another one. And their business fails. And God says uh, to us, let's do well with what we've been given. And he's going to bring a much bigger increase. So get ready. Uh, the increase is coming, but let's first get ready and get ourselves free. Amen? All right. So that was a word from God for me and for you. Uh, did you guys see the tables out in the lobby? Did you see how I strategically placed that table so you had to walk around it? Okay, don't walk around it every Sunday. Stop at that table. We, we've announced this, but on August 19th is the back to school bash. bash. If you're an intercessor... Start interceding that the weather is good because we're doing the event outside and I just ordered a carnival. It is going to be way bigger than last year. It could not fit in this room. One of the things is about as big as this room. Well, lengthwise, it's 52 feet long. It's an obstacle course. We got a sports, like a five-in-one sports, a bounce house. We have, oh man, there's some cool stuff like this giant double slide. We've got food that's going to be pre prepared, but we need help. I think I need like 30 people just to help run the carnival. And I can't do what 30 people do. I can maybe do what 10 people do, but not what 30 people can do. So I need you to sign up, okay? Uncle Chris needs you, okay? And if nobody signs up this week, I'm going to pass the table next week. Meaning the table's going to go through every row as Jonathan's preaching, and you have to sign up. I'm going to follow it and say, sign up. Yeah, get work off, okay? It's from four to eight. Just ask for work off. You'll get treasure in heaven. You won't be building up treasure on earth. It's in the Bible. You can use the Bible for your own gain if you're a pastor. Okay, also, we, we've talked about this, but we're, we're doing serve one day a month, 12 days a year. Every time I speak, you're going to hear me talk about this. 12 days a year sounds like nothing, right? Everybody's like 12 days. I can find 12 days in a year. But you say one day a month with the busyness and the schedules that we have, that seems like a lot. But I'm sure if you ask the ones that went to the Action Center yesterday and served, I bet you they're happy that they went. Because when you serve, you get blessed. And we want families to serve. This Friday, uh, Luke and myself, and Sonny will be here as well, I believe, and I don't think Nathan will be here, but we're going to, the outreach team's going to do a treasure hunt. We're going to do one treasure hunt a, um, a month on a Friday night. And we're going to go out in Woodland, and we're going to see Woodland get transformed and invite people to come to Promise Church, Okay. I'm going to bring my whole family. So Chelsea and the girls are going to come. Little prophet Ellie is going to walk around and heal the sick and, and, and pray for people because we want Ellie to know what outreach is. We want to build a culture of outreach, not event-based outreach, but a culture of everyday outreach. So if you're able on Friday, 
come hang out with us, be in my group, because God's already telling me to go to Dairy Queen and get a blizzard, okay? He speaks to me, things like that, and, and then I go, and I, and I get blessed, and then we pray for people, and it's amazing. Uh, this, last, this last week, and even tonight, I'm going to go back to a youth camp, but we're doing a youth camp for City Harvest. If you follow me on Facebook, I've been putting some pictures up there of some pretty amazing testimonies. Testimonies that will really go right into what we're going to speak about today. God's been taking us on a journey as a church, uh, on, on a journey of being set free from bondage. And I've been on a pretty quick learning curve um, because there's been many times that I pray for people. And we're going to talk about a story in the Bible today where the disciples prayed, but they didn't get breakthrough because they were praying wrong, I believe. There's been many people that I pray for, but I was praying wrong. And God taught me through a very long month. A life lesson to see people get set free, both from physical bondage and from, and from emotional and just turmoil and anxiety and fear. So at this camp, uh, one of the speakers, Dylan Jones, he did an amazing job. He's from City Bible. He preached the first night about the spirit of lust. You could hear a pin drop in that room. As he was preaching out of Proverbs chapter 7, at the end of his message, he said this. James chapter 5, verse 16. And I thought, oh, wow. Confess your sins one to another, and the prayer of a righteous man will heal you. It will heal you. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me, because that's what we're talking about at our church, and it's what God's been talking to Dylan about. So all these kids flood the altar, and they begin to confess. I've been looking at pornography. I've been doing too much with my girlfriend, and they're confessing all these things to me, and we're, and we're praying through repentance. So I'm going one after the next after the next, just like we're doing at the Promise Church. And, and I get done praying for a bunch of kids. I go back to my seat, and this boy named Zach, who saw the picture of Zach on Facebook? Zach comes over to me in one of the night meetings and says, Pastor Chris, I don't know what to say right now, but I can barely breathe, and something is clawing at my chest. Well, Zach, uh, God's been teaching us about this, and that's called a demon. And you're about ready to get set free. Zach, how old are you? I'm 17, and I'm bound with lust. Okay, guess what, Zach? When I was 18, I was bound by the same thing. And I believed in Jesus just like you do. And I was bound just like you were. But God's going to set you free today. And we begin to pray, and that spirit begins to move, and it moves into his throat. He says, Pastor, I can, barely, I can barely breathe. People are like, his pastor's like, should we call 911? I said, no, let's call on Jesus. So I rebuked that spirit in Jesus' name. It left immediately, and he felt a release. Next day, his pastor and his friends uh, found out that he had some tumors, some like cysts, some things on his feet. So when he ran, it really hurt his feet. Well, they begin to pray for him, and this pastor that I'm going to be meeting with next month because he was so encouraged at this camp, I mean, God's just moving in the Northwest. Uh, he begins to pray for a miracle for the first time, this pastor, <clears throat> because he saw these miracles breaking out in camp, and the kid's tumor, tumors and cysts disappeared off his feet. Zach goes and runs six miles, starts weeping because God heals him. So then last night... This is a full package. Salvation is a full package deal. So he gets delivered, he gets healed. Last night, Dylan Jones, my new friend, he's up there, he's preaching, he's an Australian. He's just laying down fire. He's talking about Elijah and, and, and just 
just prophesying and he says, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. He's like, if you, in his Australian accent, if you don't pray in tongues like this, and I was like, that was an Australian tongue. That was amazing. And he's praying in the Holy Spirit on a stage. All these kids, like 40, 50 kids, run to the altar, and Zach runs to the altar. They pray for him. He instantly begins to pray in the Holy Spirit. Lit on fire. He comes over to me and he hugs me right after that smile on my, my face was for a reason. He comes over to me. I was delivered. I was healed. And I've been filled with the fire of God. And I looked at him and I said, and you will let nobody tell you that this is just for a moment. Because people told me that it was just for a moment. And I'm standing here 11, day, 11 years uh, for, from that moment when they told me it was just a moment. It's just an emotion. That's just the devil. I don't believe in burnout. I believe in kids and parents and grandparents getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and sustaining the Christian life. And, and, and Jonathan's going to talk next week about how to stay free. But, but today we're going to talk about how to get free. So last week we're going to do a bit of a, of a review for those who missed it. We talked about the possibility of Christians being in bondage. Do you remember it? Let's, let's hit a few things. We're going to do a quick review and then jump right into some new stuff that I'm really excited about. So I have a lot more stories like this one girl, Sarah. Um, I got a word of knowledge when I was in my office praying uh, for a spine. And, and God showed me an accident that, that had happened. And so I called this word of knowledge out. This girl, Sarah, stands up with her hand over her mouth. And then I said, Sarah, you also have trouble with uh, one of your feet as well, Right? And she goes, oh my gosh, one of my legs is that much shorter than the other one. So then I thought, oh boy, I don't have faith for this, but Ben does. So, so I didn't know this, but Pastor Ben from City Harvest, he's wanted to see somebody's leg grow out, and he's been praying to have an opportunity. Well, I didn't know that. So I said, Ben, why don't you come pray for this person? But see, Ben was on his phone and didn't realize what I was asking him to pray for, so he jumped up full of joy. Oh, yeah, I'll pray for somebody like a headache or a bad knee, when I told him that he was going to pray for a girl's leg to grow out, you should have seen the look on his face. It was priceless. Good thing it's not about our faith. It's about God's faith. And in our confession of weakness, he comes and he is strong. See, there's a lot of people that have faith in themselves and there's no breakthrough. But I've found the biggest breakthrough is when you're, when you're weak and you understand that you can't do anything, then God shows up. So Ben's up there holding the feet going, okay, God, I don't know what to do, but I know that you know what to do. And all the kids, like 120 kids on the stage gathered around watching, and I go, your leg's going to grow out. It's going to be amazing. And everybody goes, I hope Chris is right. And I'm going, God, I'm going to get kicked out of this camp if this doesn't happen, so let this be right. Let it be right, God. I mean, this is a big one, right? This is big. So long story short, Ben's holding the legs, and we watched her leg grow out. But listen to this. It's not about her leg growing out. Whoa, big deal. That's cool. I mean, that's temporal. We're all going to die someday. So physical healing is temporal. But what happened next was the, the ticket. We begin to prophesy life over Sarah. We begin to rebuke the spirit of anxiety and fear that had twisted her spine and scoliosis. As her spine straightened out, her spirit straightened out. She went from somebody who was harming herself and wanting to commit suicide 
to the next day out on outreach praying for eight people. Then she responded last night for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and she got it. So it's not about the miracle. It's about the person. And I could care, leg grows out. Who even cares? Like, wow, that's cool. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Her life is transformed, and now she's going to be one who transforms lives. See, that's what it's about. That's what this is about. We need to get set free like Sarah did like Zach did, so we can see the world set free. You can't change. If you're bound and broken, you're going to bind people up and break them. If you're healed and pure, you're going to heal people and cause them to be pure as he is pure. God's going to bring a purity to this house. A purity, don't just think a, a sexual purity, but a purity in motives, in, in language. In, there's such a purity that when the presence of God comes, Purity comes. Last night, as, as Dylan was preaching, he said, ask God for something that he wants to give you. And God says, son, I'm going to give you purity. And I thought, what do you mean? He says, I'm going to come and make you and, you and your house, you and the promise house, a picture of the accurate gospel. And people are going to pour into your house because it's a pure expression of the power of God. Come on. So we talked last week about how on the topic of deliverance and demons, you can be a skeptic or you can be superstitious, right? And the devil likes them both. Okay, we talked last week about how we have a need for deliverance and for discipleship. There was a reason why we started up discipleship first, because if you get delivered and you don't get discipled, it's not good. Okay, you can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon. Right, we talked about that. We talked in Luke 10, verse 17 through 21. I'm not going to read it, but we talked about how Jesus hides deliverance from the wise and the prudent, from the ones that think they got it all figured out. We talked about how, how it says here, at that time Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned of the world and revealed them to little children like the promised church. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do, talking about deliverance. We talked about how I, I wasn't saved at age 18, but I was delivered at age 18. I was saved when I was four, but I was delivered at 18. When Scott came to my house and cast demons out of me, and it lit me on fire, and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. We talked about three points Last week, we talked about the idea that demons are real. And I read a bunch of scripture talking about, here's demons and they're in the Bible. You guys remember that. Get, get the message if you want a bunch of scriptures on that. We talked about the second point, that demons want to enter people. Right? They're a disembodied spirit and they're looking for, for people to tempt that will fall into temptation so they can jump into them and have a home. We talked about that. And the third thing we talked about was Jesus does set people free. That he does set people free. And that's where we left it off. That he sets people free. That he really does do it. And, and God showed up and he showed us a picture of that today. God, 
God spoke to me today, and, and I'm reading in Joshua right now where Joshua is going to take the people into the promised land, and, and, and God says to Joshua, you will do great signs and wonders among the people so that they will know that the Spirit of God that was on Moses is on you. And God spoke to me and said that we're going to move into a season of great signs and wonders. We're going to move into a season where we're going to see amazing miracles take place so that you know what we're talking about is true. If there ain't any power in it, I don't want it. It's empty religion. But if there's power in it and it's demonstrated and it's pure and it's about salvation and setting people free, I want it. You follow me? Okay. This is so good. I'm so excited right now. I just love teaching. This is so good. Some, some questions that we answered last week. What is a demon? I, I explained that demons were fallen angels and that demons were one-third of the angels that were created and that the man called Legion had 6,826 demons in him. Praise the Lord. I talked about how Jesus cast demons out of Mary Magdalene, and it said he cast seven demons out of her. Yay, Pastor Chris, that's awesome. All right, woo! I talked about how Christians can have demons. I said there's a difference between demonized and demon-possessed. I said Christians can have a demon, but a demon can't own a Christian. There's a difference between demon possession and having a demon because you've opened up a door through sin in your life. Get the CD, it will change your life. We talked about the idea that we come under the influence. Just as we drink too much alcohol and alcohol consumes our body and we do things out of character, as we have sin in our life, we open up doors for demons in our life, that then we come under the influence of a demonic spirit and we become offended all the time. We become angry all the time. We become short-tempered all the time. We become right all the time. We become full of lust all the time. And they're actually just demonic spirits that are influencing you and causing you to act out of character. We talked about how a demon enters a person and, and how it comes through disappointment, pain, rejection, sin. We talked about how a Christian can have a demon and the Spirit of God at the same time. You know, there's a thought out there that says, well, where God is, the devil couldn't possibly be. How about this? God is omnipresent. So if, if that's the case, then the devil couldn't exist. Right? And we talk through those things in, in much more detail. And, and I kind of close with this thought, that if a demon has a right to be in a person through an open door of sin, It'll do everything with that person, including going to church and being in worship services. So this week, we're going to talk about how to be set free. And the next week, Jonathan's going to talk about how to stay free. In Matthew 17, if you want to open up your Bibles to Matthew 17, verse 14, it says this. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord... Have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and, and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. 
Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. He was being politically correct. So in what context is he calling them faithless? In the context of deliverance. Come on, catch this. He's saying you're, you're ignorant, you're, you're faithless when it comes to the topic of deliverance. And we talked about last week how ignorance is the, is the best way the enemy can get you. So, you faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? He said it with a nice Jesus voice, not an extreme Chris voice. Bring him here to me. Bring your problems to Jesus today, church. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately, not right then, but privately, and they said, Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? Now, this is just my own, my, my own thought. Put this, this is Chris's thought. This isn't in the Word. I think that they weren't trying to cast the demon out. I think they were trying to heal a sick person. That's what I think. There's so many times we're trying to do something, but we're doing it wrong. And we need to be discerning and, and know what the word says to how to take care of a situation. So it comes, boom, I rebuke you in Jesus' name, and it leaves. There's other times where we need to pray for a sick person who injured themselves playing a sport, for example. You follow what I'm saying? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Now, what's that mountain represent? What did he just do? He spoke to a demon, and he told a demon to leave. And then we go into that, and we take that. Now, now you can use that in a lot of different ways, and we do. Speak to that mountain. But he's talking about demonic bondage. Speak to that impossibility. And there's some people here today that five years, six years, ten years, they've tried everything. They've tried every disciple's book on freedom, on discipline, on discipleship. And Jesus is saying that today it's time to come to me. You catching what he's saying? So when you speak to that demonic spirit, that impossible thing in your life that you cannot root out, it will move if you have little faith. But that doesn't make sense because he just said that they had little faith. We'll get there in a moment. In our weakness, okay, let's do this real quick. Back up to 14. We got to look at the, the posture of this man who comes to Jesus. First, the man came. Okay, if you don't come to Jesus, you're not going to get set free. Okay, we're not going to stay too long on this because we got a lot we got to get through today. But you got to come to Jesus. Then it says that he knelt down. You catching this? He humbled himself. So, so often, as I was talking to Aaron today, we look at, oh, Jesus rebuked the demon. It was, but look at the posture of the father. He knelt down and humbled himself. Then he confessed that Jesus is Lord. Come on. We want to be healed, but not let him be Lord. We want the healer, but not the Lord. Lord takes precedence over Savior, over Healer, over Redeemer. That if he's not Lord, how's he going to save you? So he comes to him. He comes to him. He kneels down. He confesses Lord. And then he confessed 
that he had a problem. And that can be hard for us to do sometimes. And we talked last week about how you're never going to be set free from something that you don't realize that you have a problem with or that you don't want to confess because you're worried about what somebody might think to you. He had no problem confessing his problem that his child was in bondage. And then he said this. He said, I tried everything else. I took them to your disciples, but I'm coming to the source. And I think there's many people here that have tried a lot of things in their life to get freedom. And they've tried a lot of people and a lot of teaching, and that teaching hasn't worked. But now we got to look at the Word, and we got to come to Jesus. Because Jesus will set you free. And he does in this passage. In our weakness, in this posture, is when breakthrough comes. In our weakness is where breakthrough is kept. Until we get to a point of desperation and go to the Lord for deliverance, as this man did, we most likely will not get freedom. There was a lot of man-made things out there offering freedom in the name of Jesus and so-called deliverance that are not of God and will leave you more bound than you started. Now, I have written down here, short bunny trail on false prophets and teachers. Beware, Chris. Then, then on the next page it says, back to it. So, Lord, we're not going to go on that bunny trail because that's what it is. But I want to give you a few verses to look into. 2 Peter 2, verse 17. 2 Timothy 3. Read the whole chapter. 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4. Yep, absolutely. 2 Peter 2. Start in verse 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4. In all of these, you're going to see false teachers or, or false preachers or prophets or, or people that it says in one passage, these people, they promise you freedom, but yet they themselves are bound. There's another one that says they, they, they are constantly looking for truth, but never find truth. There's another one in here that, that it, it just amazes me. It says, they come to you with, well, I'll, I'll read this one, just 2 Corinthians 11. I hope, this is Paul, you will put up with me in a little foolishness. Yes, please put up with me. I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I mean, you could put me in this talking to you guys. I promised you all to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as pure virgin to him. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your, sincere, from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus that I preach, or if you received a different spirit from the spirit you received from me, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it way too easily. 
So in this, there, there's people out there that are functioning with a wrong Jesus and a wrong spirit. And they promise freedom. Oh, if you come to this, you'll be free from, from the religious spirit. Just, just yeah, it's going to be awesome. You're going to be free. By the way, you can't sin anyway. It's awesome. Trust me. But don't look too close at me because I'm bound. And you'll know a preacher by his fruit. This isn't arrogance. Right now you can shine the biggest, brightest light on me and I am hiding nothing because I've already confessed it all. And I've confessed half of it to you guys and the rest of it to my wife. And I've been set free. But there's people that, that promise freedom from selfish ambition. It's actually a demonic theology that will cause you to be more bound. And you know, this, this can be intense and it can, it can cause you to have a reaction. Well, how can that person say that? It's because I'm free. That's how I can say that. I don't struggle with pornography or lust or anger. Now, I might be tempted at moments to be angry. You know, when we found out that that man shot those, those people in Woodland, I had a moment where I could be tempted to be angry at him, but then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Chris, that man needs salvation. So pray for him. Just as you're praying for the families, pray for him. You see, evil, evil's currency is evil in return. That's why it says turn the other cheek. Well, I, I don't know. Every time you have hate, you're being evil. I just hate that person. I hate that person that did that. They're just terrible. I hate them. You're giving evil back its currency. Stop giving evil what evil wants. So there's different spirits and different Jesuses out there. Read your word. Know your word. Weigh the word. Don't just believe what Chris says because Chris could go in error. I could go off track in 10 years from now. Don't go off track with me. If that happens, I'm not planning on that happening because I have accountability in my life. But don't put so much faith in me that you don't read the Bible. Because I'm trying to work myself out of a job. You see? I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. Hear this. I love pastoring a church, and I'm going to pastor it into eternity wherever God has me go, whatever he has me do. But, but see, I don't want to be doing what you guys are supposed to be doing for yourselves. You know, I went to City Harvest and taught them how to go on the street and get miracles. Guess what? They're getting them. I don't need to go there anymore. They don't need me anymore. But see, there's a lot of false teachers and prophets that want people to need them. And then they get to heaven and God says, you've done all these things in my name, but depart from me because I don't know you. Your identity is what you do. It's not who you are. That's a good word. Back to it, Chris. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked him why they didn't have success. I've found myself in this place many times, and Jonathan will, will agree with this. Why didn't that happen? Maybe they were trying to heal the boy and not cast out the devil. 
Jesus' response was this, because of unbelief. If you had faith as small as a mustard seed, you would speak to the mountain and it would be moved. New International Version, he replied, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, I don't get what you're saying, God. You can say to this mountain, move, and it will move from here to there. New Living Translation, you don't have enough faith. Jesus told them, I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible for you. English Standard Version, he said to them, because of your little faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. What he's saying is this. He's saying, if you just have consistent faith, see, you have inconsistent faith, but if you just had consistent faith and that faith can be small, then you'll move mountains. So he's asking our church today, can we not be ignorant of the things of deliverance, but have some consistent faith, and then it can just be little faith, and we'll begin to see mountains move. Amen? What needs to happen for people to get set free? Number one, we got three things and we're going to move through them pretty quickly in teacher form. So take notes. Number one, we need to confess to God and to others. You will only be set free to the level that you confess. You know, there's a lot of ministries out there that bank on spiritual gifts. So you, you come in, you sit down, and the prophet sits there, and I feel this, I feel that, let's dig in here, let's do this, let's shine some light. That's not accurate deliverance. Deliverance is you come to the person or to God and say, this is what's going on, man. I need freedom in this area. Okay, then, then the person says, okay, so tell me, when's the last time you partnered with that area? Yesterday. Okay, let's pray and repent since you just confessed. See, if, if I've got to dig it out of you, you're not going to get free from it because you like it. Your freedom is dependent on your level, your level, your level of confession. And then your level of repentance. We'll get to that in a moment. Con confession brings things into the light. Repentance breaks the contract that you have with darkness. That gives him permission to mess with you. We need to make sure that we are good with people. Matthew 5.24 says this. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Uh, the New Living Translation says it this way. Leave your sacrifice there at the altar. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. In 1 John 2, 9, it says this. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light. And there is nothing in them that will make them stumble. If you have bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart, which is hate, you will stumble consistently because you're walking in darkness. This is the word. This is not Chris. 
But anyone who hates his brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in darkness. Listen to this. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. If you have hate in your heart towards President Barack Obama, it has blinded you. You are not seeing clearly. Then if I stand here and I say that when Barack Obama addressed the issue of guns and he said a few good points, you go, no, he's the Antichrist. I hate that guy. He's terrible. And then you get in a room with Barack Obama and you ridicule him and, and call him an idiot instead of save his life. Hear me. I did not vote for Barack Obama. I don't agree with Barack Obama on every issue. But there's some things I agree with him on. But if you have hate in your heart, you will be blinded. And you will sound like a fool on social media. And you will like, make me and my church look really dumb. And then those people that need help won't come here because we're judging them and not loving them. Sorry that was so pointed. I, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm so sorry. But, but it, it will blind you. Hatred will blind you. That, that the reason why we're not influencing the president, who did Daniel interpret the dream of? Come on, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a lot worse than Barack Obama. But Daniel loved him. And so he influenced him. I don't think Pharaoh was that good of a guy. But Joseph loved him and served him and saw a nation transformed. Come on, catch it. Just repent. Lord, I repent for having an attitude towards my president. The Bible says pray for him. God, the Bible says that you put him in place. But see, we don't read those parts of the Bible. Whew, man. That was a good word right there. Unforgiveness blinds you. We need to make sure also that we're good with God. Let me explain. Therefore, in James 5, 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You notice you, the prayer of a righteous person? You can be an unrighteous Christian. You can be unpure. You can be out of the favor of God. Just catch that. But through confession and repentance, we come back into line. God never leaves you or forsake you. He, he's constantly coming after you. He loves you. But we've got to get these things out so that we can become a righteous Christian. In, in 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive you and will purify us from all unrighteousness. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, he who conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. That's a good word right there. This isn't me, this is the Bible. Psalms 32.3 says this, When I keep silent about my sin, 
my body wastes away through my groanings all day long. Then in 32.5, it says this, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I do not hide. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Forgiveness is linked with confession. We preach a gospel that is God loves you and he wants to set you free and then we have people come forward and not have them confess sin because that might offend them. What are they getting saved from? God wants to bring everything out into the light so that a person can be totally set free. Catch this. You guys give me till 12.15. It was quiet, yes. Give me, give me a little more. 12.15, I promise. I'll be done at 12.15 and I won't pray. 12.15, a little more feedback. Okay, good. I feel good now. John 3.16, why are we reading that? Because what follows after, it's really good. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. It's because they have a wrong view of the light. If you read up above, God so loved, he didn't come to condemn but to set free. You follow me? So they have a wrong view of what love is. So they think that, that, that they have this fear. No, I don't want those things to be exposed because then people are going to think something. No, actually, when you expose your sin, I think more highly of you because you're braver. And you're going to get set free from bondage and then be useful to God and not be bound in that place. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Now listen, when I said before, I can stand here and you could shine the brightest spotlight on me and I would not flinch. It's because every day I wake up and say, God, Shine that light on me. Shine it on me. Light me up. Keep me in light. Because if I'm in darkness, I'm going to be blinded, and I don't want to be blinded. And we have a lot of Christians that are bound up with bitterness and, and unforgiveness, and they're blinded. And then they confess all these things and say all these things, and they're ineffective because they're praying amiss. You ask for all these things in my name, but you're not praying right because you're blinded. Is there anybody here that sleeps and it has to be totally pitch black? Anybody? Can't be, okay, right up there. It's gotta be pitch black, right? When, 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 when that happens, do you get up in your room if there's a little bit of light and try to find the dark switch? Right, find the power source for darkness? No. You know, we, we claim that darkness has this power, but darkness is just the absence of light. You don't find a dark switch. 
So God comes in his power, his light, his purity. It's like every time I go like this, everybody goes, no, don't shine that light on me. Chris, don't look at me. No, catch this. God came to save the world. Not to condemn the world, but to set the world free. The devil in darkness only has power when light doesn't exist. Once the light has shown and we have renounced, which breaks the contract with the devil, we're set free. And then to stay free, which John will talk about next week, you continue a process of saying, God, search my heart. Number two, we need to, re we need to repent or renounce the lies of Satan. Repentance is more than just saying sorry and being forgiven. It's actually breaking a legal contract with the devil that has you bound. There's a portion of scripture in John 8, 31, and I'm not going to read the whole thing where Jesus is talking to some Jews that it says this, uh, to the Jews who had believed in him. And he says, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So they were believers and he was telling them, if you obey my commandments and, and know me, it's going to be evident in that. That's First John all the way through. They answered him, well, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? I'm thinking, they've never been slaves to anyone? What about Egypt? So in our ignorance, we say, no, I'm free. No, I'm good. No, I'm awesome. But yet we have legal contracts with the enemy with, with fear and unforgiveness and bitterness and sin and lust and pornography and we say, yet we're free. This is crazy. So Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Oh, it's going to get heavy in a moment. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God, Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your father. Tension building. They're saying, what's he going to say? We are not illegitimate children. They protested. We're not bound. We're good. And God's going, no, I've been in the presence of God, and I know that you can be much better than good. So Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own, but God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any one of you prove me guilty of sin, Jesus is saying. If I am telling the truth, 
Why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. The devil is the father of lies. We must break these strongholds in our life to experience freedom through confession and repentance. When I walk people through repentance, I tell them that you do not necessarily feel it when you do the act of it. And Tasha did a great job in worship today saying you declare things or speak things and it can sound religious and kind of legalistic, but it's not, it's truth. You're not gonna feel like forgiving somebody when you're in darkness and blinded and under the influence of a demonic bondage. If we're living from feelings, then we're gonna stay bound and stay bound by the father of lies. So in repentance and confession, it's never a, man, I just feel it. Whoo, I can't wait to go to church and ask that person to forgive me. I just can't wait to die to myself today. Whoo, this is gonna be awesome. Can't wait to go to church and confess all of my sins to Pastor Chris. Woo, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm feeling it today. <laughs> that's not our response. Because that's not the reality that if you got something in there that's got you bound up, then it's going to make you feel something that's going to make you want to go leave right now. I just got to get out of here. I don't like that guy. That guy is way too intense. That guy... When he preaches, all he does is read scripture, so I gotta listen to it. But it just irritates me. You're not irritated at me. That thing that has oppressed you for years is irritated because freedom's about ready to come and the devil doesn't wanna get caught because he's gotta repay you seven times. Susie, where are you? Is she here? She take off, is she with the kids? Uh, I'm telling you, she's gonna get repaid seven times what was stolen from her. It's gonna be awesome. So know this, that when you walk through repentance, it's not a feeling, it's an action, just like faith is an action. The last thing, number three, I'm, I'm gonna skip over some stuff and I can hit this later on. We're gonna be on this series probably for the rest of our lives. No, that's not true. I feel a series coming about how to, how to I'm not gonna say that because then, anyways, I can feel Aaron's looking at me right now. We're just going to stay right here. Num number three is uh, we need to receive the gift of the Father. Okay, so we confess, we renounce the lies of the enemy who's a liar and a deceiver. He's just bad news. So we confess, light comes. We repent, we break the contract of. That's what's so powerful about salvation is through the blood of Jesus, we can break the contract, contract with the enemy unless we re-sign it. I don't know anybody who gets set for, like, like if I came to Jonathan and Melissa and said, I just want you to know that God's going to give you a house and it's all paid for. Okay, but if you want to, you can take that and you can go and you can pay, the, you can go pay it if you want to. I don't think they're going to run into the bank and, and pay a bunch of stuff they don't have to. I think they're going to rejoice about living in a new house. But as Christians, we allow the enemy to trick us into signing documents that we don't need to sign. That's why he tempts you. He tempts you and deceives you to get in you. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Not from your neighbor or your wife. From you. 
Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. I love that. Ellie is included. And for all who were far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God. You see, repentance, uh, some have been taught this, that repentance is a one-time action. Whew, not true. I repent about every 45 seconds. Because I'm dust. I'm a created being, and I just want to die every day so that Jesus can get in my life. So repentance is not a one-time act. It's a continual dying daily. That's why Paul says, I beat my flesh into submission so that when I preach the word, I myself don't disqualify myself. That's the apostle Paul. Repent then, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Last scripture. Maybe you guys want to stand with me and as I read this, if the ministry team wants to come forward. Ministry team, come forward and face out that way. Uh, this is going to be good. You can start your road to freedom today. Freedom's a process. It's a day-by-day growing, but you can leave church today a little more free than you came in. Romans 8.31 says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, he will not also, along with him, graciously give us, he will give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those in the promised church whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one, Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us, say us, from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No! In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons. Come on, catch it. Angels nor demons. Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers. Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Nothing can separate you. We said last week that the devil can do a lot, but the one thing he can't do is stop you from coming to Jesus. Today, if you're here, I want to invite you in closing. If you're here as we dismiss, well, actually, let's do this. We still got three minutes. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Chris, there's some things, there's some areas in my life, there's some mountains in my life that need to be moved. And, and Chris, I've already, I responded last week. I responded the week before. I'm telling you what, if I had an area in my life and it, and it didn't get broken last week, I'm coming again this week because freedom is yours. Then I want you to respond right now. Just respond. Just come out of your chairs if it's anxiety, fear, unforgiveness. And what I want you to do is I want you to confess to these ones here what you're struggling with. They're going to ask you, what are you dealing with? I'm dealing with unforgiveness. Who do you need to forgive? I need to forgive my mom. Okay. Do this. Say, Jesus, Jesus, I forgive my mother. Contract is now broken. Now I'm going to pray for you to receive a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay. I don't think that man who had a demonized son had any trouble. I think that if he was here right now, he'd already, already be up front. If there's anything in your life why do we do it when the lights are on and when the altar's here and everybody's looking? Because when the light shines on the darkness, when we confess that which has us bound, we'll see the power of darkness broken. It's simple, it's easy, it's quick, it's fast. This is some of the most beautiful moments when people get set free. Some of the most beautiful moments there's still a few more. Don't, if, if there's a voice saying to you right now, no, don't go up there. People are going to think less of you. Your pastors are going to think more of you by responding. That it's actually boldness when you say, when you say that you have a weakness. Just the other day, I was struggling with insecurity. Me, struggling with insecurity. Right? You're going, no, there's no way, Chris. Me, I was in a room with a lot of important people and I was feeling pretty small. I said, God, I just repent for partnering with that, with that insecurity thing. I know that I have my life secure in you. And I just felt a shift in my day. Constant repentance, constant changing the way I, I think or, or see. If, if, if we have Ken and Linda, please come up. I feel like there's more that need to come. You guys come up and pray. If you're out there and, and, and if you can, just know this is a really important moment. It's a big moment where people are getting set free. My life was changed at an altar. My life was changed in a moment like this. This is what church is, where the light of God comes and shines. Holy Spirit, we thank you for today. We thank you, God, that you're leading us into truth. We thank you, Lord, that your word is true for us. Father, I thank you that you're taking our church on a journey of being set free. And that it is a journey, it's a process, God, and I thank you for that process. Father, I ask that today, as we, as we go to the, the park and, and we just have fun, we play volleyball, and we just do fun stuff, we see people get baptized, that your joy would be there with us, that your, that your spirit would be there with us, and we just have a great time. Holy Spirit, we thank you for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.